May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. This is the two-year anniversary of the podcast. I am excited to be given the opportunity to have so many of you listening and sharing your positive feedback with me. I'd hope to do a 100-episode special podcast, but due to the timing and busyness of life was never able to get onto it, so I thought I'd move to a two-year special. Why did I write my book, start a blog, and produce a podcast on fibromyalgia and other overlapping pain syndromes and invisible illnesses? It was and continues to be patients like Linda. Are you a patient like Linda, or do you know someone like Linda? On this episode, we will look back 20 years to the observations made by a seasoned and compassionate neurologist as he shares the state of care for those living with invisible illnesses like fibromyalgia. Hello, and welcome to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. Many people have either been told or read that fibromyalgia isn't real or it is all in their heads. This misunderstanding unfortunately causes harm and is a disservice to those suffering. If you are one of the estimated 10 million people in the United States, let alone the world with fibromyalgia, then you know it is real. If you don't have fibromyalgia, you will, at a minimum, gain a deeper understanding of what you or your loved one is experiencing. If you have fibromyalgia, you will feel validated for what you are enduring. The podcast aims to inform, inspire, and equip those with fibromyalgia using an evidence-based holistic approach without selling a proprietary blend of herbs, spices, and supplements. It is intended for those with fibromyalgia and their loved ones who have never experienced fibro but want to learn how to support their loved one better. It is also meant for healthcare professionals who want valuable insights into these perplexing illnesses. I blend the best of lifestyle medicine and medical management. Remember that while I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. All signs and symptoms should be discussed with your physician. And now on to this week's episode. I came across an article from 20 years ago written by a physician named Stephen Ringel who wrote in the Peace of Mind section of the Journal of American Medicine. The insights he shares get to the heart of the lived experiences of many of you who are listening. I'll have a link to this two-page discussion in the show notes. It's called Patients Like Linda. Linda is a fictional composite of patients seen by Dr. Ringel, a now-retired neurologist who specialized in neuromuscular disorders. He writes that in preparing to see a patient, he did a careful chart review. 
he reviewed volumes of records from visits with physicians as she sought answers and relief. He writes that having been in practice almost 30 years as a neuromuscular specialist and academic neurologist, I wondered why this particular case evokes so much concern in me. Linda's records indicate that numerous competent doctors, including two neurologists who found her examination normal, and a myriad of negative laboratory tests and imaging studies supported their conclusion that no identifiable organic illness was causing her myalgia, fatigue, joint pain, and insomnia. So why was the patient referred to Dr. Ringel, a neuromuscular expert? He writes, I was not referred to manage one of the many degenerative neuromuscular disorders I treated and was an expert on, like amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. He shared that the doctors who saw her before this visit could easily have made that diagnosis, and they had the testing done. And he said this was, unfortunately, all too common. He had gone through this before where the patients like her had exhausted evaluations and did not have anything discovered to be wrong. And what did patients like Linda have in common? They had interrupted sleep, myalgia, fatigue, and joint pain. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like somebody who has fibromyalgia. What is interesting that in the early 2000s, functional MRI imaging testing was being done by the likes of Dr. Daniel Claw and others investigating the fibromyalgia mystery. The research demonstrated for the first time how the brain processed sensory stimuli differently in those with a fibromyalgia-style nervous system. Why did this information not go to the neurologist, experts on brain problems? One reason is that it takes 17 years for new research to be routinely incorporated into medical practice. A specialist naturally focuses on their specific area of the body, their silo. I think of neurology and the brain. Why don't they manage fibromyalgia? It is because many are usually on a specific subset of brain disorders like Parkinson's and Lou Gehrig's disease and nerve injury or damage. They work on some central processing disorders like chronic headaches and migraines. However, the diffuse pain disorders which affect the central nervous system have not historically been managed by neurology. Dr. Ringel continues, As I walked into the room and introduced myself to Linda, one of the most important things was to develop a therapeutic alliance, gaining the patient's trust. He had gone through the records and realized that she felt misunderstood and minimized by previous physicians who she had seen before. Linda edited the prior doctor's notes of what she felt were inaccurate facts and characterizations. That's interesting because 20 years ago, access to medical records was more challenging than it is today. Now, most people on the electronic medical system can see their notes. In fact, I try to review the notes and make sure that my assessment and plan are often dictated in front of the patient and reviewed with them so they can understand how I'm interpreting the data. They can agree with the assessment and plan and make sure they're being heard. Dr. Rindle reassured her that he had carefully reviewed all the documents sent in advance. 
I found the detailed outline of events she had provided particularly helpful. That's great. It is essential to review all the pertinent evaluations that were gone through previously. He had a lot to cover and talked about not wanting to rush through things with only an hour to go through them. Many physicians have less than an hour and may only have half an hour. And he thought that many of the residents and students who had gone through his mentorship who preferred diagnosing a patient with an explicit neurologic illness than seeing somebody with Linda's symptoms complex. He also recognized that they were unlikely to inquire about essential details and the history, such as an abusive ex-husband, the inability to work, being turned down for disability payments, depression, and frequent unexplained childhood illnesses. It's so important to recognize the whole story. Unfortunately, many patients and doctors don't even realize the relevance of those past problems and experiences to the present struggles. These were conditions maybe 20, 30 years ago when they were in childhood or even longer, having unexplained abdominal pain, migraines, headaches, motion sickness, and colic, to name a few. Dr. Ringel shared that all the teaching conferences at our academic center over several decades, they rarely had discussed a patient like Linda. He writes that specialists, if not most physicians, silently hope others will assume responsibility for patients like Linda. And in the past, when doctors had recommended a psychiatric evaluation or counseling, she would not accept this psychiatric illness and was rather angry than relieved. And when other doctors implied that nothing is wrong with you, it's all in your head, she was convinced something was physically wrong and she wanted to identify and treat that problem. And this is in contrast to 100 to 150 years ago when neurasthenia diagnosis was commonly accepted as a legitimate answer and solution embraced by physicians and lay people. They were given the validity that this was a real problem, not just one doctor, but by the majority of physicians at the time. And they were given a lot of compassion. Dr. Ringel was trying to make sure that he'd get through the interview in an efficient time. And he also wanted to make sure he had done a careful exam, but relatively quickly, wanting enough time to make sure he could explain to her what he could do and the limitations. He trusted that the other neurologist and investigation and exam were normal. Interestingly, he noted that she grimaced when she was touched and intermittently could not sustain muscular resistance, a finding he observed frequently when patients fear a physician will not take their story seriously. Some might have called that malingering or faking it for nefarious purposes such as financial gain from an accident or injury. The other important observation he noticed was the tenderness to touch. What do we call that? We call those tender points or trigger points. These are common in those with fibromyalgia being a part of the old diagnostic criteria. Men with fibromyalgia are much less likely to have tender points, which is why the requirements for diagnosis no longer include them and why it has been incorrectly believed that primarily women have fibromyalgia. As he went through this evaluation, he had this thought in his head, which he promised himself that he would never say to a patient. I can't find any neurologic basis for your symptoms. Even though passing the buck to the referring physicians on yet to another consultant is far easier, 
he knew that wouldn't be good care for Linda and others like her. So often, that unfortunately is what happens to many people with invisible illnesses like fibromyalgia. They will see a specialist and say that, while I can't find anything specific wrong with you, I will pass the torch down to somebody else. You might see orthopedic surgeons, rheumatologists, or go back to your primary care doctor without any answers or relief in hand. And of course, Dr. Ringel recognizes that this is no surprise as a specialist. It is more rewarding and less frustrating to devote energy and time to treating individuals with a narrow range of complex organic illnesses. People with these conditions appreciate our expertise and make us feel needed and helpful. When you give somebody a well-understood diagnosis, even if it's a poor prognosis like ALS, at least you can describe it. Say that we are delineating it, and there is ongoing research to help cure one of these problems. Dr. Ringel shared that a colleague admitted to him that even when I tried to help these patients, I usually fail, so I've given up trying. And that's often the case, even if they attempted to help their patients like Linda in the past. They usually need additional training and experience to manage this comprehensively using the biopsychosocial spiritual model. Dr. Ringel writes about the challenges of helping somebody like Linda get better. He would talk about how difficult it would be to reassure her that there wouldn't be a quick approach to improve her and have this immediate positive feedback that she's getting better. He would say that many approaches can help relieve your pain and ease your suffering, even if we don't entirely understand the cause of your discomfort. There is a light at the end of your tunnel. No one treatment is the entire solution, but many things can help you cope with your real symptoms. He offered to see her back and would encourage her to see her primary care doctor regularly as well, coming back to see him maybe twice a year if needed. At the time, in 2003, he had witnessed during his 30-year career significant advances in many diseases he treated. Still, unfortunately, modern medical care and research weren't helping patients like Linda, and much more was needed. Since the article was written in the early 2000s, breakthroughs were discovered with the recognition of central pain processing disorders with the use of functional MRIs. Some medications would be approved within less than a decade of the article being written for the first time for treating fibromyalgia and offered some benefits. When Linda's entered doctors' offices, they had a name to give them, along with research and holistic evidence-based approaches. These are invisible illnesses. Dr. Mel Hauser, who I interviewed earlier this spring, would call all the things. These are all the central pain processing disorders that fall under fibromyalgia and related problems. These interconnected threads of yarn are all tangled together. Still, we are learning how this tangled mess can be more meticulously dissected and made sense of. For example, we had research from the 60s and 70s looking at the impact of sleep disruption on fibromyalgia, known as fibrositis at the time. What were some of the struggles in implementing a more comprehensive approach? Dr. Ringel shares some of his thoughts. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Lenz. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future topics, I'd love to hear from you. 
you can easily text me through the link in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. Also, check out the starter pack. And now back to the episode. He recognized that cognitive services 20 years ago were reimbursed not nearly as favorably as procedure-based physician services. So busy physicians compressed their schedules as much as possible to maximize revenue and reduce waiting lists. No wonder, then, that in the few minutes of a patient's visit, it becomes much easier to order almost reflexively a long list of tests that validate the patient's concerns rather than begin the arduous task of helping individuals cope with symptoms. That reminds me of my second podcast episode entitled, It's Not My Thyroid. And why did I do that episode? I did it because patients are savvy. Patients recognized that an easy out for many doctors was to repeat the same list of tests other doctors had checked before, such as the thyroid, CBC, chemistry panel, and a sed rate, and maybe ordering some alternative lab testing prompted by the patients, such as Lyme or an Epstein-Barr panel, to at least validate that they recognize the patient is suffering. More must be offered. The classic medical model may discover something easily treatable. Dr. Ringel talks about how at academic centers there is some recognition of the goal of medical education to foster caring relationships between patients and physicians. Still, more time or reward for such behavior is needed. And that is a reality. This endeavor is admittedly a big challenge in many ways. It's challenging to stay on schedule so that I can stay caught up with the patients and they don't have to wait. It's nice if they are the last patient of the day and I can go over time some, but that's not always the case. A major purpose of the podcast is to extend the information and understanding beyond the visit. These episodes have become a resource for my patients and others to help reframe their understanding of the pain, fatigue, and brain fog that they have been enduring. I also wrote the book, available both in written and spoken formats, that work in combination to help grow in your understanding. The more you understand that what you have is a real problem, and it's deserving of real understanding, empathy, and compassionate care. Dr. Ringel goes on to talk about his specialty. There is an insatiable appetite for learning about a rare disease and staying familiar with the latest pharmaceutical discoveries and medical innovations. Physicians have grown to expect this medical model approach, and conferences and medical educators meet the demand. Much of the art of medicine is a soft voice, if at all, and that is something I'm trying to practice, the art of medicine. I'm trying to help people who are struggling just like Linda. He goes on to say that there are so many others that are facing patients just like Linda. He says, this contrast, his specialty, where you have somebody who cannot speak or move because of a motor neuron loss, like Lou Gehrig's disease. And that's a more concrete medical problem to address compared to the lack of understanding of the medical problems that patients like Linda are going through. With normal exams and lab tests, how do we approach those patients? He reaffirms the need to redirect some of our educational efforts. The thousands of dollars we spend and costly but unsuccessful strategies 
That includes ordering multiple tests. Often, people have gone through failed back surgeries and spinal injections, and many have gone the alternative medicine route, spending hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars on false hopes with practitioners who are at least offering an empathetic, compassionate ear, although often misguided without lack of strong evidence to support their care, similar to the therapies offered when doctors were diagnosing and treating neurasthenia. Another reason for doing the podcast is for medical providers. If you are a medical provider and listening to this, you have many patients like Linda, and you don't know what to do with them. Some of the physicians in the area that I work with who know about what I do often refer patients to me because now they have an option. These are patients who they've tried referring to many other traditional providers within specialty silos where fibromyalgia doesn't nicely fit. Or they are evaluated by a rheumatologist who, for various individual and systemic reasons, may make the diagnosis, which is the second most commonly made diagnosis by rheumatologists, and refer these patients back to the primary care doctor. It is a real challenge to offer a comprehensive approach, integrating the best of all the struggles with understanding. All of the available treatments around the time this article was being written in the early 2000s included primarily non-medical approaches. I would see these patients like Linda back then and I would scratch my head. And I was always wanting to know what was going on. Always curious because these patients were being neglected. Like I've said on other podcasts, this is often like being a leper. When you are not accepted or understood, you're often left feeling ostracized by the medical community and helpless. You're sometimes blamed or treated as a hypochondriac. You're lazy. So many of these messages are either explicitly or implicitly given. If you are a patient like Linda, I hope the book and podcast have, at a minimum, made you feel validated. If these episodes have touched you, one way to show appreciation is to share this with others. Hit the like or follow button and leave a five-star review. If you have feedback, advice, questions, future topic ideas, or want to send a personal note of appreciation, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at drmichaellens at gmail.com. Until next week, go Team Fibro. Fibro.